from the new media project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Potential Acuity. What we are looking for is, you know, an answer in patients with macular disease. And I think that any of these devices are going to give you some useful information in patients with macular disease. First this, the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Bronstein declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, and the first to offer multinational editions is now co-sponsored by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. The ASCRS recognizes the power of this new medium in communication and education of physicians everywhere. This partnership will allow us to bring new content to you and add new voices to our community. From Manhattan to Mumbai, from the Bay Area to Beijing, one conversation as seen from here. When a patient with a maculopathy develops a cataract, clinical decision-making becomes complicated. Although the patient may have a visually significant reduction in vision, how much is attributable to the cataract and, by extension, how much will the patient benefit from cataract extraction? Because surgical risks must be weighed against benefits, we often turn to potential acuity testing to assess that benefit. Richard Bronstein has just published results of a study comparing methods of potential acuity measurement. Dr. Bronstein discusses these results with me today. What are the methods that are available for determination of potential acuity in advance of cataract extraction? In terms of evaluating patients uh, prior to cataract surgery, the things that can be used to assess potential acuity would include um, the PAM or potential acuity meter, which um, was developed by Guyton and Minkowski, um, laser interferometry, the I think something called the super pinhole test, um, the illuminated near card, which we used. I think those would probably be the most common things that are done. How widely are these technologies used? Um, I would say that the potential acuity meter, or PAM, is probably the one used most commonly in clinical practice, Um, although a fair number of people use the laser interferometer as well, although I have no experience with that device. In the offices and clinics that possess these technologies, how frequently are they used? You know, we use them frequently um, because many patients who see us have coexisting retinal disease, and the question always comes up, how significant is my cataract and how much better am I likely to see with cataract surgery? And it's often hard by looking at the macula to gauge how much vision is due to the macula versus how much is due to the lens. Who needs potential acuity measurement? Well, it's good for a number of things. I think um, patients who have known macular disease and who have a lens opacity that may or may not be commensurate with the level of vision, um, the question is frequently, 
how much of the visual loss is due to the lens opacity and how much of the visual loss may be due to the macular disease. Um, conversely, there are patients who you don't think have macular disease who may have a lens opacity um, that seems less significant than uh, the visual loss and their complaints and potential acuity meter uh, or potential acuity testing may be beneficial so that you can sort of uh, have an expectation that there isn't anything else that you're missing. In other words, if your potential acuity testing yields 20-20, um, even though the cataract doesn't look that significant and they, you know, they maybe they have a vision of 20-40 or 20-50, you, you could expect that removal of the cataract should hopefully give you back that level of vision. It's unlikely that any of our listeners are unfamiliar with the PAM, but for completeness sake, can I have you describe the PAM? Sure. The PAM is mounted on a slit lamp. It has a small point source of light that's projected into the patient's pupil, and that point source of light is about, I think, one-tenth of a millimeter. Within that little projection is a Snellen-type visual acuity chart, and there is a uh, dioptric uh, correction on the PAM, which you dial in the patient's correction, and the patient is asked to read back um, from the Snellen chart the smallest line that they can read. Uh, the idea here being that um, you're essentially bypassing the diffractive effect of the cataract and um, getting that little pinhole of light if the patient can line it up with their fovea and uh, obtaining their best potential acuity. What evidence is there that the PAM correctly predicts post-op acuity? Well, there have been a number of papers using the PAM um, since it was introduced. I think it was introduced around 1980. And um, it, in, in patients with vision better than uh, 2200, it was uh, accurate within two lines uh, in 90% of uh, patients. What is the illuminated near card test? Um, the illuminated near card is a small handheld illuminated card, essentially. It, the patient holds about 40 centimeters from the eye. Um, there is a light bulb behind a, a visual acuity chart which uses Snellen-like letters. Uh, they're actually called Sloan optotypes. The lines on the chart are changed by the examiner or the patient rotating a, a small knob. And the patient wears their distance correction and over that, they wear a plus 250 ad and a uh, uh, pinhole uh, type occluder with one millimeter uh, holes in it. And the chart is lighted from the back? The chart is lighted from the back, and the patient is, is asked to read it um, while it's being held in their hand at a fixed distance. What evidence exists that the illuminated near card test works? Hofelt, uh, who developed the device, and Weiss in uh, 1998, um, had a paper where they showed that it, the device was accurate within two lines in 91% of patients. And in patients with acuities of 2100 or better, they found a 98% accuracy within uh, two lines. What was the objective of your study? Our study was to compare the two devices uh, in patients with and without uh, coexistent macular disease um, to look at both the accuracy of the two devices as well as uh, the ease of use of the two devices, in other words, which one was more patient-friendly. Can I have you describe the design of your study? Sure. We, um, it was a prospective study, and we, in, uh, after IRB approval and obviously informed consent, 
um, patients were enrolled. Patients had to have a best spectacle corrected visual acuity of um, 2,200 or better, and we randomly assigned them to receive either the PAM first or, or the ink test. Sorry, the ink test stands for? I'm sorry, ink stands for the illuminated near card. So one patient would receive the PAM test first and the ink second, and then we would alternate the order that the tests were done on the patients. All the examinations were performed by one of two um, investigators, and then patients were given a questionnaire um, which asked them to rate uh, basically uh, ease of use, and you know we, we took uh, data on age, sex, type, grade of cataract, presence of macular comorbidity, history of prior surgery. Then these patients had cataract surgery, is that right? Right, then the patients underwent cataract surgery and we obtained their best spectacle corrected visual acuities, which was not obtained by the investigators directly, but rather upon a review of the charts. What were your findings? Well, we initially enrolled, I believe, 143 patients, um, but only 123 patients ended up in our uh, final data set. Uh, some were excluded because they did not have uh, surgery, and some were excluded because they had rapiding, uh, rapid worsening of their macular disease. Of the 123 patients uh, we enrolled, uh, 83 patients had no macular disease, um, and 40 patients had um, coexistent macular disease um, with their cataract. Um, the type of cataracts were similar in both groups. In terms of our results, you know, in an overall basis, the uh, illuminated MIR card was more accurate with the PAM with a statistically significant uh, increase in accuracy for either exact prediction or prediction within one line. Um, but when we looked at prediction within two lines, the two devices um, on a statistical analysis were uh, essentially equivalent. That was in patients who had uh, no macular disease. When we looked at the group of the 40 patients who had macular comorbidity, we actually did not uh, detect a statistically significant difference between the two devices in terms of accuracy um, at any level. That is, either exact within one line or within two lines um, of actual prediction. When we looked at uh, subjectivity from for ease of use, um, there was a significant difference in that the illuminated near card was significantly uh, easier to use uh, according to patients with um, almost 80% of patients rating it as um, easy uh, to use. In contrast to the ink test, the PAM was more likely to underpredict BCVA, best corrected visual acuity. What is the significance of underpredicting as opposed to overpredicting? We found that the, the PAM was more likely to underpredict, and the ink was slightly more likely to overpredict. Um, now, you can kind of, you know, it, we, we can have some rational explanations. Underpredicting would mean that we would think that the patient would perhaps only get, say, 2030 vision and would end up getting better vision, 2025. Certainly, there's no, there's no, nothing detrimental to the patient in that, um, except that perhaps you may not have offered the patient or the patient may not have felt that there was as much to gain by surgery if the test um, seemed less likely to yield a significant improvement in vision. Um, on the other hand, overprediction um, could lead to a sense of disappointment with surgery or uh, a sense of um, unreasonable expectations 
should the patient expect to obtain, say, perfect vision again after surgery and, uh, and not obtain it. We hypothesized that as the, the PAM test was more difficult uh, for the patients, it's possible that they, they had more difficulty reading the smaller letters, doing the test, and that may have been an explanation for why it tended to underpredict. The, uh, the ink test in terms of overpredicting, other things that could be factors would be, for example, low levels of posterior capsular opacity, um, which weren't appreciated or didn't seem significant on exam, which may have lowered the vision slightly um, postoperatively, could have counted for a slight reduction in the acuities obtained. The ink test was just as likely to overpredict as to underpredict uh, postoperative visual acuity. Right. It, it, about, it was about a 25% overprediction, 25% underprediction, and 50% sort of um, exact. So it, it was sort of more or less split that way. Did the age or gender of the patients play any role in your findings? Uh, no, we really found uh, no differences relating to either age or gender in terms of our results with uh, either exam. Extrapolating from your results, which patients would be expected to benefit uh, from potential acuity testing, and which are likely to perform so poorly that testing isn't really worthwhile? Um, and certainly patients with you know, significant scotomas um, due to macular disease and or glaucoma are going to have great difficulty um, with any of these examinations. Patients with very dense cataracts are going to have difficulties. Patients who have difficulty fixating um, or have uh, nystagmus certainly would not be good candidates. But we use the tests frequently um, in practice um, and find that it's, it's often a useful tool um, just in terms of uh, discussing with patients um, reasonable expectations for surgery. Is there some cutoff with vision that you can say beyond this, testing is just not valuable? Yeah, we, I've, I've found that the test is probably not useful in patients with vision worse than uh, 2200. So we, we won't even pick up the device at that level. Um, it just doesn't seem to give us any additional predictive information. Now, in terms of the difficulty of uh, use of the PAM on the patient's part, to what extent do you think that these findings reflect your particular patient population? Um, I mean, my, my patients are, you know, very cooperative and, and, and uh, tried very hard with, with both examinations. My, my feeling is that having looked at the, their subjective evaluations um, and looking at the data, the ink or illuminated near card is really a, a more useful tool um, in the office um, because it's not frustrating for patients and it seems to yield... Um, probably more accurate data um, or predictive information than the uh, PAM does. Having learned this, what do you do in your own practice now? Um, we, like I said, we, we do use potential acuity testing um, quite readily, and I use it for patients who have existing macular disease and lens opacities um, in whom we're not certain whether lens extraction would offer significant benefit and in addition, we use it in patients, as I said, who have uh, lens opacities whose vision seems worse than the degree of lens opacity um, to frequently ascertain that we're not missing any coexistent macular disease. Sure, but in your own practice, have you stopped doing PAM testing as opposed to ink testing? Um, no, actually, we, we do use both devices in the office. 
I, I find both tests are still useful. If a, if a patient is having difficulty with a PAM, then I'll use the ink, or if the ink is available, I'll, I'll use that. It, it really is a, sometimes an issue of convenience. Is there anything you'd like to add, Richard? Um, not really. I, I mean, I would say that, um, you know, one of, one of the, the highlights, you know, I, I think from the study was that um, what we were looking for is, you know, an answer in patients with macular disease. And I think that any of these devices are going to give you some useful information in patients with macular disease. The acid test, as I tell all patients, is going to be the cataract surgery. Um, and regardless of what the device suggests, only you know successful surgery will sort of tell you what, what level of vision they're going to be able to obtain. And frequently with patients, they understand that, and the potential acuity testing, although it being helpful, we recognize that many of these patients are going to go for surgery um, either way, regardless of the test results, because they want to try and maximize whatever visual function they can. Thank you very much, Richard. Oh, thank you, Josh. Richard Brunstein is the Miranda Wang Tang Associate Professor of Clinical Ophthalmology and Chief of the Division of Anterior Segment and Director of Refractive Surgery at Columbia University in New York, New York. His paper, A Comparison of the Potential Acuity Meter, PAM, and the Illuminated NearCard, Inc., in Patients Undergoing Phacoemulsification, appears in the December 2006 issue of I. Ask questions of Dr. Bronstein or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype, JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website, asseenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young. 